Coming up today on Across the Cavs, I will be joined by Noah Nightingale and Mac Perry of the It's Cavalier podcast. We're talking Game 4, the Giannis block, of course, Game 5, and a little Space Jam, which will come out tomorrow. Exciting stuff, Game 5 on the way, let's go! The NBA Finals are no joke. This is where we separate the real from the fake. So, get some skin in the game with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. They're offering free-to-play pools every day of the NBA Finals, offering players a free shot at up to $10,000 each day a game is played. And guess what? The best part is that it's free-to-play. It's easy to enter DraftKings free-to-play pools. Just download the DraftKings app. Go to Pools and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Questions will range from which team will hit the most threes to which team will score first. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, ahead of Game 3 of the NBA Finals, download the top-rated DraftKings app and use promo code TBPM when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day there is a game. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code TBPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Ladies and gentlemen, game five is around the corner. This is across the Cavs. High energy. It's Thursday night. It's July 15th. What's so special about July 15th? Richard Lee Washington. Who? Yes. To all my modern basketball fans, Richard Lee Washington was born on this day in 1955. He's probably older by three times than any of us. I'll have two guests today. He played for the Cavs from 1980 to 1982 and had to retire early to a knee injury. 87 games as a Cav. He averaged nine points and five rebounds. He played and started in two other games, although starts did not become a stat until the end of his career. Decent as a Cav. He made one three in those 80-some-odd games. But Richard Lee Washington was born. And tomorrow, July 16th, finally, after 26 years, I don't remember if I was born or not when the initial came out, Space Jam, A New Legacy comes out. To the LeBron haters, I really hope you still decide to watch the movie because you can hate him in real life, but this ain't actual NBA LeBron. This is actual LeBron. I mean, I thought LeBron, when he was in Trainwreck, was sensational in the role he was assigned to. Cooking Bill Hader on the court, being a good best friend. Anyway, I am obviously not the biggest LeBron fan like I once was. I'm wearing my LeBron for MVP 08 shirt as we speak. But I am hyped. I am thrilled. I don't like this goon squad because it feels like a knockoff of the of the you know of the of the monster and like of the Toon Squad. But Dame AD, this movie's gonna be great. We got two guests today. I'm gonna ask for their Space Jam opinion right off the bat. Let's go to Mac. He hosts the It's Cavalier podcast. You know his voice. It is a great one. He brings great analysis. Mac, two questions. One, how are you? Two, will you be watching Space Jam: A New Legacy? Thanks, Zach. Yeah, man, I'm I'm definitely going to tune into it. I don't know why people hate the idea of another Space Jam movie coming into existence, but I'll be front and center watching it. Also, doing well. Doing well. 
I'm glad we got our second guest. You know him, Noah Nightingale, third straight across the Cavs, fifth straight game. Welcome and Space Jam, yay nay. Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on once again. And yeah, I'm excited. I mean, my expectations aren't too high because I always have this thing that, you know, when you have such a legendary movie like the original Space Jam, you can't really make a sequel. But we got LeBron James. We got all these other great players in here. So I, I am very excited and I'm looking forward to watching it. I have a little watch party tomorrow. So looking forward to it. Oh, let's go. I'm hoping to catch it Sunday. My, the people I've been planning for five months to watch it with, two of them are away. One of them's coming back Sunday. We're going to see. If not, just going to be a boring HBO Max launch party for one. But anyway, there was a game last night. Mac, I'll go to you first. We saw a block from Giannis. We saw James Christian Middleton put in 40. And after it seemed just like against Brooklyn, we thought the Bucs were dead in the water. And even at 2-1, they got it done. Now it's tied. And it's, it's going to be a maximum thoughts because this, this is getting very interesting. Okay. First off, I would like to just say, let's just, let's just uh, get this out of the way. That Giannis block was awesome, but it is not even in the same stratosphere as LeBron's block. Okay. So let's just get that out of the way first. I've seen so much of that on Twitter. Just wanted to clarify. Awesome block nonetheless, though. And it really, really, really defined the game as a whole. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say about this series, man. It's it's really been one of the most competitive series that we've seen in a long, long time. After years and years of seeing Cavs, Warriors, and LeBron in the finals, it's, it's really refreshing. I don't know about you guys, but, you know, this, this series, I'm hoping it goes seven games. You got a wealth of players here who would definitely benefit from getting their first ring, i.e. Chris Paul. <laughs> And if you're not a big Chris Paul fan, you got to surely love to see Giannis possibly get his first, mm-hmm. uh, for his first ring. And as I know, Zach probably is <laughs> chopping yeah, it a bit yeah. for that. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, but man, if I, if I'm going to break down both sides of this, let's just go quickly for the Suns. Jay Crowder. Where has this Jay Crowder been at? One of y'all please answer for me. Where where has this Jay Crowder been? And he was nowhere to be found in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, Jay Crowder in Cleveland, I think, was just kind of hanging out, having a good time, not really caring about basketball. When he was in Memphis, he was the man. When he was in Miami, he was cool. But this version, like actually being a top two scorer for them, I mean, this is this not is not only scoring too, it's deep, man. This guy, yeah. he's all over the place defensively, too. Best best since his Marquette days, I would say right now. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we know what Devin Booker brings to the table. He's an electric scorer. You know, he could work a little bit more, look a little bit better on defense, but it may not matter when you talk about his, his uh, offensive production. Chris Paul had one of the more forgettable games of his finals, and I, I honestly think he was the entire reason why they lost this game, outside of the officiating, if you want to go there. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> uh, DeAndre Aiden. And for, for whatever opinion you have of the guy, I have loved to see his development over these past uh, few weeks of basketball. You know, he didn't score a bunch last night, but the rebounding he provided was – he kept a minute. And you talk about a guy like Cam Johnson, man. They, the Suns definitely got picked on when they selected him. Did they not? Oh, yeah. I mean, there was the mm-hmm. wild the wild bro from Kobe White is the only reaction I remember. I don't remember anyone praising the selection. I know that he was he was picked by Minnesota, and then it was a Dario was flipped 
in the deal that got them Cam, I think with Cam, and I think Culver was sent back. So they totally won that trade, right? Wasn't it Culver for Cam and Dario? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So that is that's a huge dub. Yeah. So I they, you know, for what it's worth, James Jones, man, he's done an excellent job acquiring talent when nobody else has seen it. I mean, you talk about the 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 Cameron Payne addition, who's provided valuable minutes, not only in this series, but throughout the whole playoffs. And you know, you look at the Bucks side of things. Chris Middleton, man, this guy needs to get more praise than he's than he's been getting. <laughs> Some people are of the thought out there. Some people are of the opinion that Chris Middleton is more important to the Bucks' success than Giannis. I don't believe that, but I definitely think that Middleton is the Kyrie to Giannis's LeBron. He's there, man. He he's dynamic. And he's a, he's an excellent defender as well. You know, we we talk all day and night about how good the addition of Drew Holiday from a defensive standpoint has been for the Bucks. But man, Middleton is uh he he is every bit the impact player that anybody any one of these guys on this roster is. So you know, I'm really I'm really hoping this goes seven games. But uh, game four, man, it just it's everything you want to see in the finals. Yeah, and I'll add a little bit and then pass to you, Noah. Yeah, Chris Middleton, you know, for all the slander and the, the back talk he gets, he, he's always great when they need it. And I love to see – I was shocked to see this stat, and I loved it. He didn't top 35 points in the regular season this year, but he's done it four times in the playoffs, the fourth time being the 40 last night. I mean, I don't care that he was 15 to 33. He deserved to take every single one of those shots. He gets to his spot. He was – what he was doing now, we didn't see before, those little step-throughs. So he'd be, what, 15 feet away. He'd fake, get him in the air, then lean in. And what Chris Middleton and Devin Booker both do so well is get to the left from inside of uh, 10, 11 feet. But, I mean, Middleton was putting on a show. And I really think, though, had the Suns won on a Booker shot, Noah and I were talking during the game about this, it, it would have just – it would have just sent everyone into a frenzy. And I think it would have been the worst officiated game of all time. Had Booker hit a winner after fouling out as he should have. Mm -hmm. I mean, he had 42, he shot 17 to 28. If he stayed out of foul trouble, I think he was going for 60 and he was going to break the final scoring record. No questions asked. He was just in such a, a, a rhythm. But then on the other hand, I mean, the Suns bench, three guys all played well, the cams and Craig, this was the first DNP CD. Uh, for Bryn Forbes, the entire postseason, I think clearly they finally figured out that he's just not worth playing, at least right now. you got to get every minute counts. I think Jeff Teague brings you more on the defensive end, and I think that his, just his general speed and passing solid ability. Solid addition, yeah. Very solid. They could have had Austin Rivers. I wish that had worked out instead. But I'll take Jeff Teague because he didn't have to do much. And how about – I'm going to end with two things. And on the Buck side, look, this, Chris Paul made mistakes – and Devin Booker just did not get enough help. I mean, yeah, Jay Crowder added 15, but he shot just three of 10. He hit free throws. He did some good acting as well. And, you know, Chris Paul <laughs> had five turnovers, including the big one. Two things, two things. One is Pat Connaughton. He played the last 20 minutes of the game. I know this. I checked at halftime. He had 12 minutes. And this isn't even official, but it pretty much is. Then he played. As soon as Brooke Lopez came out for Connaughton or Giannis came out for Connaughton, whatever, he played the rest of the game. And he was just... He had to go ahead three at the three-minute mark. He just made so many big plays. He was plus 21 in a game that was decided by six. I mean, he's just – he's the only option they really have off the bench besides Portis for to play big minutes. But, you know, he's thriving. And second, 
Well, that Giannis block doesn't touch LeBron tier. I think it does. It outdoes his chase down from game one. The circumstance, the height he had to rise to meet Aiton, who's been finishing over guys all playoffs. And that, just him doing that shows me that. And again, this is just quickly going back. Kawhi would have blocked the value. I think Kawhi and Giannis are the only players in the league that could have stopped the value in a quick play like that. They got, it's asked to be a wing guy or a perimeter guy that can also play inside with how high he got. Giannis's block won them that game along with Middleton scoring and Holiday's defense. But I mean, yeah. on a night when Holiday shoots four of 20, they got everything they needed from those mm-hmm. two. And my key stat, yes, exactly. No buck had more than one turnover. Show me a game in NBA history where in the finals, where no player on a team has multiple turnovers. I don't think we'll ever see that again. Shout out, Bucks. Let's hear from Noah. I'm hyped. All right, I'm going to start off. Actually, you know what? I'll acknowledge what you guys said, both of you, what you said. It does, the Giannis block, as great as it was, does not come close to LeBron's. And I was even thinking that Tayshaun Prince block uh, against the Pacers, I think it was Reggie Miller, that insane chase down block that he had. That was also one of the all-time legendary blocks. I was sort of thinking, you know, can, you know, what, where would I rank those two between the Giannis block and the Tayshaun Prince block? But anyways, that was just kind of my little banter. But let me start off with a historic fact. I'm going to name off some players. Jerry West and John Havlicek. Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley. Shaq and Allen Iverson. And now Chris Middleton and Devin Booker. The only players in NBA Finals history to score 40 points in the same game against each other. What we saw last night was one of the great duels in NBA Finals history, really. And we all know it was a lot more than just Middleton and Booker, but those two were on the money throughout the entire night. But obviously, Milwaukee's win was way more than just Chris Middleton, so I'll go into that really quickly. Number one, Drew Holiday. When you when anyone shoots 420, it's really hard to stay engaged. I know it's an NBA Finals, but when you're shooting 420 and having the rough shooting performances like like Drew Holiday has in the playoffs, it's very tough to stay engaged. And he is doing a phenomenal job at showing everyone why he is the best defensive guard in the NBA. He really changed the game in on his defense. When you look at Phoenix. There are lineups when it's just one of Devin Booker, Chris Paul out there. It has not been successful. And a lot of that has to be because of Drew Holiday locking those guys down. So you have to give a lot of credit for Drew Holiday. I know both of you guys mentioned it. I may mention a few things that you guys mentioned, but I just want to reiterate it because it is really important. Pat Connaughton was absolutely phenomenal. A plus 21, which led the game, if I'm not mistaken, and made some big shots. He also had nine rebounds, three offensive rebounds. He was big on the glass. And there was a few unlucky plays that he had. He had like two or three shots from deep that were halfway down the cylinder and then rolled out. There was that one offensive rebound that it looked like he had an open layup, but it tipped off his hand and went to Crowder. And then the foul that you guys mentioned at the Jay Crowder flop that he had on Connaughton, it was late in the shot clock. Phoenix was in the bonus in the fourth quarter in like a one possession game. That was a huge play. And I was not really happy with what Connaughton was bringing. But then in the fourth, I mean, the big shots that he hit, and of course the one that gave them the lead where Milwaukee did not look back. Connaughton has by far been the best role player at a both for both teams in this series. And he is such an important piece to how Milwaukee system works. He's been here for a few years and has been playing great. Giannis. Giannis, again, like you guys said, was unbelievable. 26 points despite 
having a tough time creating for himself. Shout out to DeAndre Aiden, played great defense. Phoenix also played a lot more help against Giannis. So he took advantage of that, made some great passes. His rebounding had five offensive rebounds. The Suns team as a whole had five offensive rebounds. So second chance points was big and Giannis dominated on the glass. And then of course his defense, right? Like not just the block, but also disrupting the passing lanes, just being an absolute nuisance, using all of his length and his athleticism. And again, let me remind you all that he just hyperextended his knee and there was doubts of him even playing in this series. And yet here he is showing out and last but not least, Chris Middleton. I mean, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. I've mentioned this many times. Chris Middleton literally hits every shot against us. And yep. it looks like the Chris Middleton against the Celtics last night. He was finding his spots. Giannis did a great job giving him screens. And he was getting the switch, finding his spots, and shooting it with so much confidence. Given how poorly he played in game two with his with his jump shooting, it was absolutely amazing to see Chris Middleton come out and just shoot with confidence and end up hitting timely timely shots in the fourth that ultimately gave them the win those four guys have been the four best players from milwaukee and i don't know if you can call them a big four but yeah those four were absolutely instrumental in the in the comeback win last night and they're going to want to win two more games you're going to need these two guys i mean need the four guys heavily and they were great they were absolutely phenomenal yeah and one thing one thing noah why is chris middleton going off because there are three former celtics in phoenix three Abdul Etwan oh Moore, Jay Crowder. That's why. It's true. <laughs> that is that is true. I, I I didn't want to say anything about that, but that is a big point. And part of the reason why I'm sort of on the Phoenix side, but not really because those guys weren't uh, – maybe Jay Crowder. But other than that, they weren't very significant for Boston. But, yes, yes, Chris Middleton is just kind of viewing them all in a Celtics jersey. Like, all right, I'm going to go off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Any any Suns thoughts here, Noah, before we go to over-under for game five? I mean, Devin Booker is incredible. And again, I mean, if we're going to keep talking about the Celtics, I literally witnessed this guy scored 70 points, not live. Zach, didn't you go I, to that game? Live? Yes, I was there. That was, uh, that oh, was, man. I was there. I was there to meet Steve Albert, who I'm still in touch with the Suns play-by-play match with the time. We spoke and he said, Zach, if I faint during the game, you take over. I wonder if he actually <laughs> fainted that night watching Devin Booker score 70. But yeah, Devin, Devin Booker is phenomenal. Like Max said, where the heck has this Jay Crowder been? Because I didn't see this Jay Crowder much in Boston either. Um, the only thing I'll say, the only thing I'll say, and I don't want to like go too hard on Chris Paul because Chris Paul is a legend and it was a bad game. All right, I expect him to be incredible next game. The one thing I want to say, I know Devin Booker was out and they needed offense, so they bring in a Cam Johnson who does provide great offense. But Mikhail Bridges has been playing a phenomenal defense on Chris Middleton. You had Chris Middleton going off and making big shots. I know he eventually came into the game, but I would like to see a little more bridges. I mean, this is a guy who scored 27 at one point in the series. So I do believe he can bring some offense, but I like Cam Johnson a lot. I think you need bridges out there, especially with Middleton taking over late in the game. That's that's my only criticism. Other than that, you know, I... I you, you all know how I've been very high on Phoenix throughout this entire series. I yep. had them in five. Obviously, mm, that's not the case funny. anymore. Funny man. Yeah, it's not the case anymore, but I still expect big things from the rest of their guys. That's just really my only true criticism for yeah, Phoenix. No, that's fair. You know, there's, uh, there's, there's the good, the bad, and, the, you know, Clint Eastwood, the ugly as well. Uh, OG. Um, but anyway, so we got the over-under. It did not hit yesterday, so I was wrong on that. I think I had, I think I had the over. No, she, uh, no you had the under. You had oh, the under. Yay! Yes, I should have bet. I should have bet. Oops. 
anyway, yeah, it was 109-103. I did have the under. I think I said the Bucs would score more and the Suns would score less again. But, yeah, so the Bucs from 109-103 leading scores. Middleton, 40. Giannis, 26. Booker, 42. Crowder, 15. Cam Johnson and Chris Paul each had 10. The over-under has dropped to its lowest total for the series at 218. I'm going to this time go over. I think the game being in Phoenix, we're going to get a little more scoring, get a lot more volume of shots as well. So I am going to push on the over 218. I'll probably say in the mid to upper 220s, maybe even 230. I mean, we all know who I'm going to pick to win when we get to that. So I will uh, stand off and go to Mac for his over-under. Mac, again, 218. We're going to see an over or an under on that. I think you'll see over. I go 226. 26. Noah? I don't have an exact number, but I'm definitely going to go with the over, mainly because you had uh, Milwaukee shot 7-29 to from three last game, 24%. You had Phoenix, who shot 7-23, to which is about 30%. So I don't expect those teams to shoot that poorly from three. I, I expect the three-point shots to start falling more in game five. Yeah, and how, how about Devin Booker dropping 42 without a triple? No other scoring guard in the modern game does that as well as he does. Just gets to his spot, does not care where he is, long to, that's whatever. Insane. That's Yeah, that's wild. That's George Gervin type stuff right there. Wow. Yeah, and he was playing just, what, it, rather right before the three-point line or as it first came out? So I think it, what, entered the 79-80 season? I believe. Uh, I yeah. can't. I, can't, yeah, I think okay. that's when it was, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you – I think the, the leader – in the first couple of seasons, it would hit like somewhere between 40 and 60. And then I remember when Del Curry would hit like 99 and lead the league. It's just, it's such a different game now. So the fact that there were just 14 threes, these are the mid-range teams. I mean, Giannis is a guy that scores 15 feet and in. Chris Middleton prefers to be 20 feet and in. And I mean, Devin Booker will score from anywhere. But, you know, the big surprise for me is that he's never made more than six threes in a game. That's not his thing. Even when he got 70, it's just, let me get to my spot and I'll hit my shot, you know. If DeMar DeRozan knew how to actually be a scorer and not just a guy that draws fouls, he would be a little like Booker. But there's a, the difference is Booker is effective. Booker creates. DeRozan is a mid-range guy. He's the mid-range guy. But he misses so many of them. Like, I don't have confidence when he shoots. That's the big difference between him and the stars of today. Not knocking him, but one of the reasons the Raptors did win a couple of years ago was when they got rid of him and they added Kawhi. Kawhi, just like these guys, is a mid-range specialist. So there's only a few of them, really. It's yeah. Paul, Booker, maybe Mitchell when he's beat, when he's inside, and then Kawhi, that's it, and Middleton maybe. You don't see many, but anyway. All right, guys. So one, one more thing. I'm going to give some analysis, and we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get analysis from both of you. So I'm going to go first and then pass the baton. We have game five. Again, over-under is 218. The spread basically stays the same for whoever's home, but let's keep in mind – we're recording on Thursday, 47 hours from tip. So this is subject to change. Just keep that in mind to anyone that might be using this to bet on the game. It is minus four for Phoenix. That's just because they're the home team. The home team will be favored to win every game. So far, it's been like Brooklyn, where the home team wins the first four. This is the first finals. I was at the dentist today. I was watching uh, Get Up. First time since 06, Heat Mavs. But the first four games of the finals were won by the home team. Talk about a blast from the past, huh? I mean, that's a long time. That was a great series. One of the one, first ones I remember right, really well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was It was something. 15 years since we saw this kind of series. But right off the bat, you already know where I'm going. I, I just 
I just feel like the Bucks. I know it's a lot of this is because they're at home. I just feel like they can win any game. They're at that point where they're clicking for the first time all playoff. I think they finally have the eight best guys that are healthy in the rotation. I do think Jeff Teague is their eighth guy, and I think he's more effective than Forbes was and could ever hope to be. Just as far as he doesn't need to shoot a lot, they have enough guys out there, and he can get to his spot and do his thing. He's done that. He hasn't had to score a lot. All he needs is to just, just give Holiday and Middleton four to five minutes each off for the game, and he does his job. By not being a negative seven, eight, nine, and even anywhere from zero, positive six to negative six, he's doing his job. He's just holding his own in those minutes. Bobby Portis just brings so much energy. I don't care how many minutes he's playing. And Brooke Lopez, he doesn't need to play that many minutes. But when he is in, get your dunks, get your shots, rebound, and protect the rim. We already know he's not going to close games, and that's fine. They got 19 minutes from him, not really much in the second half. Again, they don't need him to play that much. They need him for stretches, absolutely. He's 7-1. He could shoot over anybody, and he can dunk over anybody. Plus, he's still a good enough rebounder and guy that tips the ball out. What I'm looking for in game five is going to be Giannis again. His scoring did dip to 26 after back-to-back 40s, but again, that he could get to 26 on a day where he just couldn't find anything is huge. I'm looking at 34 to 38 if they want to get that win. I think he has to be a little better because I think Chris Middleton's going to probably drop to the mid-20s for his scoring output. And I think that Holiday is going to be a little better as well. Drew Holiday was 4 of 20. I hated every time he shot it. But at least, at least, he was 5 of 5 at the line because I swear he's been as inconsistent. He looks like Kevin Love at the free throw line, honestly. Mac, real quick, and then I'll get back. Do you agree that Drew Holiday is the guard version of Kevin Love at the line? He just dribbles quick, shoots the line, drive, and misses way too many. What an interesting comparison. But, yes, spot on. Yes, thank you. Yes, 0-5 from 3, though. Yikes. Grillton was the only starter to make a three. I think Giannis needs to do all that. I think his defense is going to be huge again. I think that on the Sun side, Chris Paul will not be that bad. I mean, 10 points, two of them really in garbage time, so I'm taking them out. So really eight points, seven assists, five turnovers, four fouls, minus 10, really minus 12 with that layup. I don't know what happened to him. I did feel, though, because of the Booker foul trouble that they had to shift the rotation up, and the Suns pretty much had it down to a science of when Booker and Paul were rest. I think the extra Booker rest, even though they were up nine at one point, I think that took them out of the rhythm because they weren't playing the minutes they were normally going to. They had to play a lot of the fourth quarter without Booker, and I just think, again, it threw them a bit. That won't happen again, but here's why the Bucks are winning. They're going to make more threes in the next game. I think that Crowder and Bridges will both be better. But again, I don't think it's going to be enough. I, I see P.J. Tucker getting back into the score column. I see Pat Connaughton. And my bold take was that he'd score 15 in the last game. He did put in 11, so he got to double digits. I think, again, Pat Connaughton will be the best bench player on the court. I think that DeAndre Ayton will step up. But I think Giannis is going to neutralize him in, in, at the end again. And all in all... What will win the game for the Bucks is going to be, A, the three-point shooting. And I also think Drew Holiday scoring points at the end. They're going to be so focused on Middleton. Holiday will be open. And I think he's going to be playing well enough. His confidence is up. I think he's going to hit some big shots to give the Bucks a game five win. But, guys, hold up. We're going to take a quick break. 
We are coming right back. Zach Weiss, Mac Perry, Noah Nightingale, Game 5, NBA Finals. Stay tuned. We are coming right back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's Thursday night. It's July 15th. You're listening to Across the Cavs. Zach Weiss, Mac Perry, Noah Nightingale. Mac, thoughts on Game 5 being played in Phoenix where the home team has won each of the first four and the Suns have been hot these last couple of rounds at home with just one loss since round one on their home court. Yeah, so if I'm looking at this upcoming game, man, I, I, I'm I'm thinking the Suns are going to pull it out. And I say that because I don't see Chris Paul having another game like he did. Uh, we've seen him turn it up a little bit uh, during these finals and really during the entire playoffs in general. But he is not going to shoot 5 of 13 and only score 10. Uh, I mean, he had some boneheaded plays. You know, he was a minus 10. I just don't see him continuing with that trend, you know, and, and they were all the way in it with the 42 from Booker, you know, who hit zero threes. And all it's really going to take for them, in my opinion, is DeAndre Ayton stepping his game up. Now, previously, you know, uh, Noah had mentioned Bridges. I think that's that's really big defensively for them. When, you, when you're referring to the Bucks, you know, Chris Milton is not going to remain as, you know, as, uh, as scorching as he has been, you know. Uh, 15 or 33 that's a lot of shots to take but he still poured in 40 I don't think he hits that type has that type of game in game five uh, conversely I uh, I don't think Drew Holiday is going to shoot four of 20 so it's going to be a struggle but I just don't see the Suns uh, having such a a terrible game from Chris Paul he really is going to be the x-factor to me you know there's this, this is the finals. This is the playoffs. So, you know, defense is hyped up and three-point shooting is going to be key for both of these squads. But if I've got to pick one of these teams, it's going to be the Suns. Um, you know, I'm really, really pulling for the Bucks, but uh, I just – I don't see how they walk out of uh, game five with a win, man. Uh, they, they got away with so much. And like I said, Drew Holiday, that to me, that just sticks out. When a guy can shoot 420 and you still win, you got to have some luck on your side. For one, you got to have some officiating on your side, and uh, you definitely have to have teammates pick you up, which Middleton did. But I just don't think he is going to be able to replicate his success that he had in game four. So I'm going to give this one to the Suns. And last question, then we'll go right to you, Noah. Is, is a big swing factor for you where the game is being played or does it kind of just the Suns would bounce back even if they had the old 2-3-2 format it's definitely home field advantage especially when you talk about how last playoffs was with no fans at all it definitely is going to play a factor all right every single game of the series I hear that I definitely hear that Noah game five analysis here we go I'm buckling up I'm muting myself I'm letting you take it away yeah, I, I, I loved what Max said because I'm totally on his side. Chris Paul is an unbelievable player, and I just do not expect him to have anywhere close to the game that he had last game. And also mentioned this. I believe, now don't quote me on this. I'm, I'm very certain this is true because I, I read this somewhere on Twitter. I think this is the fourth time all year that the Suns lost back-to-back games. I'm not sure how many times they've lost three in a row. It just does not happen. This is a very disciplined team, very talented team. And I think given the fact you're going back to Phoenix, given the fact that, you know, game three, you had an off game from Booker, game four, you had an off game from Chris Paul. 
I, I just I, I cannot see Phoenix losing this game. And I think a lot needs to happen for Milwaukee to come into Phoenix and win. I believe, like I said, Chris Paul is going to have a great game. I think the three-point shooting for Phoenix is going to be a lot better, a lot, lot better. They're going to hit more than seven threes. They are going to shoot a lot higher than 30%. Like, again, what Max said, uh, Bridges is going to have an impact. I expect their bench. I know Cam Johnson's been pretty solid, but a guy like Campaign, maybe even Torrey Craig, he'll have an impact. And, of course, Devin Booker will, you know, he won't score 42 again. But I do expect Devin Booker to still have a major impact and lead the game in scoring. And my one, I, I, I do this every podcast, and I'm going to do it again, my one big stat prediction. And I know I've sort of had this prediction in game one, and I didn't get it right. But this is my prediction in game five. Okay. Chris Paul's comeback is going to be so big in this game. He is going to have one of those classic double-digit assists, zero turnover games. Especially given the fact that Chris Paul has really struggled to handle the ball and he's been turning over a lot which is very uncharacteristic of him i expect chris paul to have one of those games where he is just the point god of all point gods double digit assist zero turnovers i think phoenix wins this pretty handedly handily okay so here's what i do want to add and i agree with a lot of what you said and obviously booker's going to be better chris paul i don't know about that but again bull takes are great i love them i think that when you get them right you feel like a genius when you get them wrong, oh, you know, it was bold anyway. It doesn't matter. Exactly. <laughs> um, I feel like Middleton and Holiday both, for all the great things they do, I just feel like their scoring is always better at home. It's always better with the fear of the deer. Although the Bucs did, I talked about this before we, when we recorded, it's always a fear of the deer. It was let's go Bucks. They switched it up for game four. I guess they needed new, a new kind of energy. Obviously, it worked in the end. And by the way, watching game four, that was the first time I've been watching a game feeling like it was the Cavs when it wasn't the Cavs in a really long time. <laughs> my hands are behind my head. I was sweating. I was pacing. I was screaming as if Colin Sexton was cooking the nets all over again. It was insane. And it was just me, just me in the house screaming at 1130 at night after almost falling asleep in the first quarter. Cause I was exhausted after a long day, but I know it's the finals. But so I, I stood up for the entire fourth quarter. Yes, switched it up from the usual. It was, I find Mike Budenholzer on the sideline. You know how he always looks? It's just, he has that look in his eyes on his face. He's just so nervous, doesn't know what to do or what's going on. And at the end of games, it just lets the players do it. I mean, that's exactly how I felt, how I looked. I'm glad there was no camera recording. Like, I'm, not, I'm glad I'm not like <laughs> Stephen A having to record my reaction. Anyway, Middleton Holiday, not to get off track. They're always better at home. When they go on the road, I feel like they both don't shoot as well. It happened the first couple games. But now I think it's different. I think the reason I'm taking the Bucs, and fun fact, I had the Suns for, I think it was game three, Noah, before we started. And I told you I was switching it as we went. Again, yeah. I think it's, it's the home court thing. But the Valley's great. The fans are great. I don't think Giannis's free throws is, are going to be the be-all, end-all, so I don't even think that's going to affect the game. If he shoots 50% or better, I'm fine with it. Four of eight last game didn't kill them. He did you know, three in a row at one point. He'll be fine. I think that what's going to be the be-all, end-all, Middleton will have a good game. I think he figured some things out, and yes, you can watch tape after every game, but he's going to get to his spot. If Middleton shoots 30 times, I think there's no way the Bucks lose. That's my whack take. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I'm, I'm not going to agree with it, but I definitely respect it. Uh, yeah, I I, I, <laughs> I respect it as well. I don't agree. Let me ask you this, Zach. Sure. 
Giannis, man. The thing that that I love about Giannis, before I ask you the question, is that he has expanded his game so much since he's coming to the league. It's what pisses you off about guys like Ben Simmons. He's been able to at least, you know, he's not afraid to take that three-point shot. But is this game going to come down to Giannis's ability to take over in the fourth quarter? Because I, if I'm not mistaken, he took the the fourth most shots for the Bucks in game four. Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And on that topic, I hope Ben Simmons never comes to Cleveland ever, 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 ever. I'd rather have Colin Sexton. I'd rather have freaking Jalen Green with Sexton and Garland together than have that happen. <laughs> For that matter. But again, we'll have a draft show in a couple of weeks. It might. It might. I don't know that it's a clear yes, no. I think that given the five-man lineup they have, they will probably have P.J. Tucker in for the last five minutes with Portis likely getting the minutes up until then. That's usually what they do with P.J. And I think that it's really going to come down to Holiday. I mean, if it comes down to Giannis, I'd be confident. I trust his ability to actually make free throws, even with the crowd. I think he adjusted early in the series, hitting, what, 60% in the first two games on 30 attempts. That's 18 out of 30. Yes, he missed 12. That's also 18 makes. That's nine makes a game. I don't know if Shaq was doing that when he was shooting that many for the Lakers when they were hacking him in the playoffs slash finals. So I take that as an encouraging sign at the beginning for when they were on the road. If should it come down to Giannis, what I'd love to see, Mac and Noah, would be the floater. He doesn't do it a lot. He brought it out at the end of the Brooklyn series and the early in the Atlanta series. If he can just hit a couple of little 13-foot runners because he can get it up. My one issue with Giannis is that he'll, for all the shots he makes, he still airballs 10-footers. It's part, yeah, yeah, it, it happens. It's ugly to watch. Yes. But, it happens you know, you to just... everybody. But in this <laughs> stage, with, with what he can do, that cannot happen. Should it come down to Giannis, I would still feel confident, Mac. But to answer your question, I think it comes down to Drew because I think – they know Giannis can get inside. They know what Middleton can do. They're going to make Drew beat them because Drew would just – Drew has the confidence. But it, Drew is like that guy in pickup ball that's like he has irrational confidence, but he's, he's just – he's a hit-or-miss guy. And uh, usually he's the missed. The Dion Waiters. <laughs> yeah, except for that game against Detroit in 2015, this being a Cavs podcast. We, we love that. That was on my wallpaper over Kyle Singler. It might've been Jarevko. I don't even remember. They looked exactly the same from, from whatever the angle was, except Singler has the worst hair in NBA history. Anyway, sorry to disrespect your boy, Noah. Um, <laughs> All good. <laughs> but yeah, I think it comes down to Drew Holiday. Do you guys have anything to add on that point of what it, what buck it might come down to? Should they get the win or what son it will come down to as we wrap up? I totally agreed what you said. I think especially that it does come down to Drew Holiday. And I think a lot when he was getting a lot of shot attempts and they started going to him early in game two, people were like, well, why Drew Holiday? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that Chris Middleton has been guarded very tightly. And when you have a guy like Mikhail Bridges who is guarding him, it's really tough to find some open spaces. And then obviously, like we saw last game, DeAndre Aiden did a phenomenal job of taking away anything from Giannis in terms of creating his own shot. So, yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. It comes down to Drew Holiday. The issue is that I think this confidence issue that he's having on offense, I don't know if it's just going to change up after just one game, right? Like, he had a great game three outside of that. He's been struggling in this series. So, if it does come down to that, that's going to be tough. And that was probably one of the reasons where before Booker got into foul trouble, I felt 
really good where Phoenix was last game, just because I felt like ultimately at the end of the day, who is going to close out for Milwaukee? I don't know if anyone was going to beat out Devin Booker the way he was playing last night. Obviously, Booker got got into foul trouble and Chris Middleton started going crazy. But I, I, I do think that is the case if, if in the situation where, you know, Milwaukee is desperate for a go-to guy, that Giannis may be having trouble to create on his own. You know, his best case scenario is either on the glass or in the pick and roll. Chris Middleton, unless he is on, he's in a rhythm where he's just shooting over defenders, no matter how he's being guarded, it's Drew Holiday. So I, I, I totally agree with that point. Just not sure if it's going to work out for the best for Milwaukee. Yeah. I got one last question for y'all. Yeah. What's the over-under on P.J. Tucker putting up a big old donut in game five? Ooh, I, I'm going to say P.J. Tucker's – I'm going to set my personal over at four points and take the over. I think he's going to hit one three and he's going to get two layups, kind of like he had in game three. I'll go seven points yeah. for P.J. He's not He's not hitting double digits points, I'll tell you that. But I think he – you know, maybe he gets a put-back layup because Milwaukee's been killing it on the glass, maybe a corner three, although he hasn't – you know, his, his, his three-point shooting has really dipped down over the last few years. But overall, I I, I, I expect middle – I mean, sorry, I almost said Middleton. I expect <laughs> P.J. Tucker to score a basket, whether it's from the line, offensive rebound, corner three. Uh, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, the, man, the guy at 36 years old, man, just so versatile. It's, yeah. uh, it's uh, good to see him in a position finally to possibly win a ring. The same, it's, it, same sentiment for a lot of guys in this series, man. I, either way this goes, I'm going to be happy for whoever wins this uh, this series. <laughs> That's sort of I the beauty. Totally. It, yeah. It's sort of the beauty of Jay Crowder being the only one who's ever been to a finals in this series uh, that, you know, so many players finally get to experience this and, you know, get an opportunity to potentially win a, a championship it's it's incredible the storylines are unbelievable i know everyone talked about oh well these are two you know not very popular big market teams who cares yeah who, this who is cares, what we needed. Right? i think this exactly. and i think i think this is what we needed for basketball yeah. because yeah look if brooklyn was here by the way i also think they would have run out of gas even if they somehow got here and the suns would have run through them because mm-hmm. I think Durant would have been just dead by now, and I think Man, that Harden would... They're like an AAU team. They, like, literally just threw a whole bunch of talent together and said, here, make it work. I like that comparison. Yeah. Then they go, they go to you find a new AAU acronym to, to figure out what the Nets are. <laughs> no, but, yeah, at the end of the day, I think the teams that are meant to be here are here. I think, yes, injuries played a big part, but they've also allowed us to see – Giannis finally get there. They've let us see that Mike Budenholzer might not be as crappy as some of us used to think he was even two rounds ago. And it's also allowed us to see Monty Williams, who dealt with an incredible tragedy, the loss of his wife in 2016 while he was with the Thunder, to come back to basketball, to find new love for the game, and to kind of serve as a father figure for the Suns. And yes, it's been publicly said by myself many times i am not rooting for the suns there are a lot of things i don't like about the suns but what i absolutely love is the cl- the clips of monty with his players you know hugging chris paul when they first got to the finals giving a little noogie just as he's like these love was love pats whatever you want to call all this just seeing him take the older guys and the younger guys and just bring them together after what we could probably call a very bad tenure in new orleans and his only other head coaching opportunity he has just done such a good job. And I look at him 
as just one of the greatest leaders among coaches in today's game, despite only being his second season in Phoenix. And that's what I, I personally want to close with. Any other thoughts, guys? <sighs> Man, uh, I don't know what else to say in regards to that. My uh, Monty Williams is a guy I'd want to play for. You know, I guess I'll close on that. He's definitely a player's coach. Noah? I, I agreed. He, he's an unbelievable play, uh, unbelievable coach, and there are a lot of things to root for for both teams. So, just excited, you know, being not being a fan of either of these teams, and just being a fan of basketball and watching this. It's I'm I'm very grateful for this, and it's it's especially the season that we had last year in the playoffs, being in a bubble. Now we got these crowds that are really impacting the series. It's just all of it. I'm I'm very grateful. Although I wanted Phoenix to win. And I wanted my prediction of Suns and five to be right. Very happy that it's a two-two series. It's gonna be a best of three, and at least in my opinion, looking like it's gonna go seven. And as a basketball fan, I couldn't ask for anything more. Yeah. So guys, right. if there was a game seven, it would be a week from tonight. There would be only one day between games six and seven. But I'm happy that basketball does not end on Saturday. Regardless, my obviously dream scenario would have been Bucks and four. I knew that was impossible. Bucks and six. <laughs> If the Bucs really, really believe that, did you no, really believe no, that? No, 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 never, never, never. I have picked the Bucs to win every game, but that's just because of my irrational confidence in them as a basketball team. But no, no, I never believed they'd actually sweep. I knew for a fact that you're not stopping. I mean, if if a fully healthy Lakers team couldn't stop them with a limited Chris Paul in game one, the defending champs, I know that's only one game then we're not going to see the Milwaukee Bucks just run it down their throats for a week and call it a season. No, I knew it was going to be a series. We've had a great one. I also knew that people tell me it was over. And one thing I'll say, this is my real closing thought. Then we're, then we're saying goodbye. I remember going to the park to play ball, right? Like the day before the series. And I was, I was saying the Bucks like no chance sons and four sons and five, you know, they got no chance, nothing. Only one single person agreed with my Bucks pick one. There were 15 people in on this discussion. So I don't remember who my homie was. Shout out to him. I hope you're enjoying this series. And I look forward to really shooting it up next time I see you and laughing at everyone else that, that wrote the Bucks off before it even started, regardless of Giannis's health. But anyway, guys, it has been a pleasure. Mac, we were on a couple of weeks ago. Glad to get you back on. And Noah, of course, five in a row, baby. We're going to get We're six going for soon. six. Yep. We're going for six. <laughs> Thank you so much, both of you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a great way to spend Thursday night. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Thanks, Zach. Pleasure as always. All right. So for Mac Perry, the It's Cavalier podcast, and Noah Nightingale, the only Canadian guest to grace the Across the Cavs Airways, I'm Zach Weiss. Hope you all enjoyed what you heard. We're coming back for game number six, likely Monday evening. Yes. Monday, long Monday at work. Oh, oh, wait, wait, what's that? You get to look forward to across the calves after? Yeah, uh-huh. It's like that. Until then, <laughs> LGB, let's go Bucks. Bucks in six. Should the Bucks lose, we're going to amend it to Bucks in seven. Let's get a Brandon Sevenings jersey, and then we'll go from there. Did wear seven on, I think, either the Knicks or the Wizards. I'll have to confirm that. But anyway, until next time.